All right, we are live on Wednesday night. Good to see everybody tonight. Uh, we're almost done with uh, our series here on the New Testament church. We're getting um, to what I think is actually the most important part and the part where I need to hear from you. I have my own ideas, but it, it, it really, it really, it really, it's, it's more important to hear your ideas in this next part. Um, so, just a reminder real quick, our four points that we've been going through, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, which you receive through belief, repentance, and baptism. Jesus was the Messiah and Savior that conquered death through resurrection and defeated sin through His perfect sacrifice. Three, simple, but extremely important, Jesus is Lord. And we're talking right now about the church was more than a community of believers, they were the family of God. So, yeah. No, that's red. I never, ever just have orange and blue on my slides, ever. If you have not noticed that, sometimes a little yellow and red, but never, never. <laughs> that looks orange? Uh, yeah, Mickey, I was going to say, Mickey told me that the red can be hard to see. Does anybody else struggle when I put the red up there to read it? It just looks orange? That's bright red, you guys. That is like blood red. That's not orange. That's right. It's more the color of your shirt. Yeah. It's red. Thank you, Brian. All right. Well, <laughs> everybody who just turned, tuned in out there is our debate on what color I'm using here. All right. Let's pray, and then we'll, um, we'll get into class. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We're just grateful for this time, grateful for this body of believers here. God, our part of the church family, the family of God. Father, we're grateful for the relationships that we share with one another, the love that we have for each other because of your bond, the bond of your spirit that you put within all of us and the way you taught us to love. Father, tonight we're talking about how we can become better, a better example, a better representation of that family of God that we see so evident and so powerful in your New Testament church. Father, we just pray that as we go through conversation tonight, one, that we can just be honest and, and open and God, we're not really looking to be um, critical. Um, not even, of course we have to look to the past to understand where we are presently, to understand where we're going in the future. God, but only in a way that is encouraging, in a way that is respectable, in a way that is really in reverence to you and, and to every other person here that's worked so hard to make North Brevard what it is. And God, we're grateful for it because it means so much to so many of us. So Father, just be with us tonight. Help us to be creative. Help us to think deep. Help us to think about your will for us right here in this part of the body. How we can be effective in spreading your word, the good news, spreading your love, and changing our community even if it's just one person at a time, which we will gladly take, just one person at a time. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the love that he showed by enduring the cross for our sin so that we could have the hope of eternal life with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so last week we went through really the formalities. So we talked about the apostles' teachings the fellowship, how they were devoted to these things, the breaking of bread, um, which we spent a decent amount of time on, the, the prayers, how they were focused on prayer. And I, and I wanted to really, before we moved on, I really wanted to emphasize this again. I really want us as a church to be praying for this exact same thing and to be praying about it constantly. Never lose sight of this part of your prayer life. 
And that's that God will continue to open doors for us in our community, um, in our relationships with our friends and our family, continue to give us opportunity to teach the good news, to bring people to Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Of course, it's about saving yourself. And at the end of the day, I can only stand up for myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appear before the Lord on my own based on my own relationship with him and my own actions and and I'll have to stand in front of him for those things and and you will too but really we're here the the whole point of the church to gather together is to encourage one another to bring each other to a closer relationship with Christ and to do powerful things for him and his kingdom um, through us as a collective so keep praying for this if you're not praying for this I beg you pray for this pray that doors are open pray that that we can have an effect on our community um, because, I mean, we were talking about it a little bit beforehand. I won't, I won't bring in any quotes of anything that was said before, but, you know, the world is, the world is leading us down a path that's not good. It's not, it's not leading us to a good place. And, and really the church needs to be stronger now than it's ever been. Um, and I think, I think we can do that, but I think it's, it takes effort. And I also think it takes lots of prayer, lots of prayer. And don't forget, even Jesus, the Son of God, the very essence of God, recognized how powerful prayer was. And we see that many times in Scripture, but even to the point of tears, even to the point of loud cries, Jesus, as man and Son of God, Son of man and Son of God, prayed regularly. So I just want to really encourage you on that. I, I, but this is where we were getting to. It's a simple statement. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. So before we go any further into that, what, do you, what does that mean? All who believed had, were together and had all things in common. Does it just simply mean, which I have the scripture way down, um, what it says afterwards, which is they, they uh, sold their possessions and they put it together and made sure everybody's needs were taken care of. Is that, is that really all it means? Is when we have all things in common, is, are, we, are, we, um, are we fulfilling that by taking up a contribution? Or does it mean something deeper? Go ahead, Sue. We have to keep it in the context of the situation there. Uh, people had come from all over the world that were Jews had come in for for Passover sure. and had stayed on and when they became Christians on Pentecost Day uh, they still wanted to hang around as opposed to their plans probably were to go back home and so you think in terms of having house guests for a while until and they, they grow strong in the faith till they learn something. But, you know, you just hear about this one day. You're not ready to go back to a thousand miles away. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you said is very true. Chuck? I've always had kind of an impression, right or wrong, that when the church was first starting, even with the apostles, he said, I'll come back the way I left. And I'm, I'm not sure how much of them thought, well, he's coming soon. Possessions didn't mean anything at that point. That's true, too. If he's coming right back, in their minds, Yeah. then they may have said, possessions doesn't mean anything. We want to stay here. We're waiting for him to come back. And they're growing as, as a church, as, as people. But everything was in common because it really didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Stuff didn't matter anymore because it was a bigger thing going on than they expected when they came there at Pentecost. Yeah, really, it was, the sacrifice they made was really amazing. Um, the way they got out of the material, if you will, and really focused on the spiritual was really amazing what they did. Um, changing their whole plans, maybe of their whole life. And we do know what you said, Chuck, is, is definitely true because um, church history talks about how some of these groups of people that's what they did. They sold all their stuff. They bought a piece of land. They all lived there and they were waiting on the return. They were really expecting in their lifetime for Jesus to come back. And I think if you lived during that time, you would have too. That was the whole message of the gospel was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent 
you know, because Jesus is coming soon. That, we still sing it today. Go ahead, Shad. Um, like agape love, all the different loves in the Bible are the most powerful parts of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that follow Jesus have that love. And, you know, it, it spreads, it's like, a, uh, it's like a force field, you know, and it, and it brings people into them. I think that's maybe the kind of, the believers are gathered, that we have the compassion for each other and in, in the environment that we're in. Yeah. And that kind of draws us together. Yeah, I, I think it's, it don't, it don't, it not only, the, really the whole point of tonight is that love that we share, it doesn't just bring us back but it reaches out, people see it and they wanna be a part of it. It's something that is so foreign in the world today. And you can talk to any teenager, you can talk to any young adult. There is very little places left anymore where you can just go and be accepted and be loved and, and be cared for. Also, also directed, trained, corrected, but in a caring, loving environment. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard to find and I think it's absolutely contagious. Go ahead, Mike. All who believe we're together, and the way I look at it, that's sort of a family. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a family. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> so I wanted to start here, but I want to read two scriptures real quick, and then I want to talk about two specific parts of these scriptures. But John 1, verse 9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then the second one is Galatians 3, and it says a lot of the same thing, but it goes even a little bit further. And I really, wanted to, I really want to open these up, really want to understand what you think when you hear these, not just phrases, but really who you are to God. Um, but now that faith has come, Galatians 3, starting verse 25, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you were, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is, there is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So let's just start at the bottom and then kind of work our way back up. What When you hear that you are heirs, and that you are of Abraham's offspring, so you're heirs according to the promise. What does that mean to you? Going back to the family. Uh, if you have a family, sometimes Sue comes up with a different opinion than I have. And that's all right in our family. She can be wrong if she wants to be. <laughs> no. Danger. Sorry, sorry, sorry I left no. that. <laughs> you don't want to emphasize that. <laughs> I might not be able to get up in the morning. <laughs> but families, they have differences, and you work on them. Mm -hmm. These differences are pretty good. Jews and Greeks, mm -hmm. that's a pretty big difference. Slave, free. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've brought this up when we were talking about the covenant and how even all the way back to Abraham, there was this promise to Abraham and his descendants that was certainly this connection. They were going to be God's people. But it was never supposed to only remain with them. They were supposed to bless the entire world through them, through the nation that would come from Abraham's offspring. So really, the promise and what God's people were supposed to be, that part has really never changed. And if you think about even what we go through today, Right. Is he saying that there is now in, in Christ Jesus absolutely no difference between a man and a woman? Better think about that. Is he saying right now that there is no difference between a Jew or a Greek, that there's absolutely no difference? 
Not in the eyes of Christ. Not in the way that we're supposed to treat each other. But there is certainly a difference. Let's go to the one in the middle. There is certainly a difference between if you were a Christian in the New Testament time and you were slave versus free. There was a difference. You can't deny that. It's not, it's not like um, um, everybody was just all of a sudden exactly the same. There are still, to this day even, differences in life that are brought to us because of who we are. That's just the reality of life. But at the end of the day, think about this. Men were treated different than women. Jews and Greeks, they treated each other different, especially if it depended on if you're a Greek and all of a sudden another Greek walks in your house versus a Jew that walks in your house or vice versa. There was a difference. There was a difference in the way that society looked at slave versus free. There was a difference. And people treated each other differently because of that. And in Christ, as Abraham's offspring, the church ends that. That's one of the most powerful parts of actually what you were talking about earlier, Sue, where you have all these, yeah, they're Jews. They all are there, but they've come from all over. They live all over. The Jews have been scattered multiple times in their history. They're, they're, they get scattered. And then when they get scattered, what do they do? They begin to intermarry. And how thick is that bloodline by the time you get to where Jesus is at with all of these people? They don't even speak the same language. They might speak the same language, but their native language, the one they heard, it was many different languages. So these are different cultures. This is the way the church started. It's God's people, yes, but from many different cultures spread out throughout the world. And in that moment, they become one. Really become one. Go ahead. I saw multiple hands, so I'm coming. Go ahead, William. Well, I'm reading from Colossians, and I think it, it bears how the people was one together, a family, and how they uh, depended on each other. It says, bearing fruit in every good work, uh, growing in the knowledge of God, uh, being strengthened, bear with me, Okay. Uh, let's see where I'm at. Oh, man. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Being strengthened uh, with all power according to his glorious might. But that's how they stayed together. Yeah. Chuck, did you want to say something? Or I already say it. No. Um, you know, in in the eyes of God, mm -hmm. there's no there's no I'm more special than you. Absolutely. Okay. In the world, yeah, people look at it like that. You you could have what he's saying here is the slave. Might end up being an elder, yeah. Whereas the, the free man might be someone who is a servant but is not qualified to be an elder. Sure. It's it. Don't look at your station in, in this world in relation to you where you are in relation to God because they don't match and don't expect them to. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting in Galatia and, and the areas that it was in. It was largely a lot of. There was, there was Hellen, the Hellenistic Jews, but there was a lot of pagans. Mm -hmm. And for a pagan to be told, you're a son now of God, was totally different than the way they looked at gods in the pagan religion. You weren't a son of a god. No. You were, you were a servant, you were a slave. You look to con the God to get you what, I, what you wanted, and you tried to hide things and everything like that. But it was a totally different relationship. And also the Jews would be using it to say, well, I'm actually in a bloodline back to Abraham, so I'm a little more special. And he says, no, you're not. Yeah. He says, not at all. He says, which was very, very encouraging for the pagans that had come in to be Christians to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a child of this God, and 
the fact that I'm not a bloodline of Abraham doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Big deal. Exactly. I mean, being listened because it seems like a lot going on. Is this there, well, there is definitely a lot going on. But yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is this like saying that he loves us all the same? We're all loved the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely what it's saying. But I don't want... People can use these scriptures, and I don't want to get too far off track, but people can use these scriptures and try to make them say something that it's not saying. Um, so... Going from there, from Abraham's offspring to what you're bringing up, the Son of God. What, what does it mean, like in John 1, when you hear that you are a child of God? And I, I want to go back before anybody else says anything real quick, just because I don't want to forget it. I love that you said they tried to con God. Because I've been going through a lot of different stuff studying like ancient religion. And it, hopefully one day it'll turn into a series. I, I really think it will, but it takes... There's a lot of groundwork that's got to be done. I'm not going to come up here and tell you stuff when I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, but one of the things I'm noticing over and over and over again, through the cultures, through their stories of how they got to these gods and how they were, their gods never loved them. It was never about love. It was really about appeasing the gods at the right times to get what you wanted or to make sure you didn't get smited. That was it. It was all a relationship based on making sure you got the food you needed, making sure you got the money you needed, making sure you got the house. It was all a con. So, so we do all these things. And, and even worse than that, um, thinking of like being a child of God and talking about pagan religions, you know, the whole family system was really different for everybody that was not of the people of God. And even when you look through where, where you start to get the kings and the divided kingdoms, you, you, you find real quick that even the Israelites and the, and the Jews both became people that kind of started to become those people as well to the point to where they were even sacrificing children to appease the gods. Um, so I think, it, I think it's, a spe it's something that we grew up kind of knowing, so it, it kind of just blows by us. Oh yeah, I'm a child of God, cool. But to the people who are hearing this for the first time, this is something no one else has said before. And even before this time, this was something where you could kind of be like um, an outside the gate, if you will, convert, but you would never truly be in the bloodline of God, like God's chosen people. Um, anybody else want to say something? Go ahead, Brent. I thought I saw something. Yeah. No. No, in fact, that was so far-fetched that some of the earliest, um, like they graffitied stuff in caves and stuff about how everybody was so silly to even imagine that a god would die for his people. Like that was just a crazy concept to a lot of people. I think it still is to a lot of people if you really want to know the truth. <clears throat> Also want to say this. How different is it when you pray, for example, to pray to your father? Like what if God never even said he was our father? What if he was just Yahweh? That was it, just God. Don't you think you'd probably pray to him different? Don't you think you'd probably even worship him different? Don't you think your relationship would be different? It's, it's like approaching a king as a servant versus approaching a king as a prince or princess. Don't you think even the approach is so much different because we're children of God? I think that's an important part of all of this as well. It's not just our relationship to each other, which is what Ephesians 2 is really talking about, but it's also our relationship to the Creator God, to the all-powerful, to the all-knowing. I, I think as far as I'm concerned, 
I think it gives you, our Father God, our Father, it gives you more of a personal relationship with him. That's how I feel than praying to Yahweh, even though it's the same thing, but it, it kind of it kind of put me in the house. Yeah. Uh, in my mind. So. Yeah. It really, to me, it changes the whole dynamic. Like, there would be a lot of things, I think as my father, I, I, I bring everything to him. If he was just my God, I'd probably be afraid to bother him too much. I think it's just a completely different thing. Anyway. Jews wouldn't even pronounce his name. True. So holy. True. Yeah, I think, it, I think it creates a completely different, completely different dynamic. Go ahead, Chuck. I kind of see that a little bit in what uh, Solomon wrote when he said, fear God and keep his commandments, because that's the whole duty of God. That, that approach approaches God as not your father, but your punisher. Mm -hmm. And you better do things right or you're going to get punished. Mm -hmm. And that's widely held in this world now about God is to say he just punishes people. You know, if, you, if you do something wrong, you're going to get zapped. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't understand. They don't think about it to say he sent his son and, he, and let him be murdered. Could have done something about it. So could his son. Mm -hmm. But he did it because he wanted us to be in fellowship with him. And he's not this punisher. Matter of fact, he's way more patient than I would be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As far as the things that we do and where we fail and where we fall and stuff like that. But. And if we're not careful, there are churches that make us evil. If you do, back when we were growing the lift gum, if you used a game with dice, that was evil. Mm. And so if they caught you, you were evil, you were bad before God. And there's a whole list of things if you go up north. Well, face cards. Yeah. Face cards, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to um, Ephesians 2. <clears throat> so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and the saints, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So we are part of every single one of us are part of the household of God. Like, we're part of his house. We're up there with the prophets. We're up there with the apostles. We're up there with Jesus. We are children of God. And I, I, I want to nail that because this is, in my opinion, this is what makes or breaks a church. This is what makes or breaks a church. This is when, this is where you will find a church that is struggling or even decreasing versus a church that is growing and healthy. It is this specific relationship. This is the thing that changes us and motivates us and pushes us to grow deeper in our relationship and do more for the kingdom. Think about this. You have a friend and you have a family member. How much more, think, think about this, let's say a child even. Let's go even deeper. Let's say a child. You have a friend, you have a child. You have a friend that constantly does stuff you wish they wouldn't do, that constantly does stuff to make you miserable, that constantly does stuff to make your life harder. He keeps doing that, she keeps doing that for so long. What's going to probably happen to that friendship? Chad? It's either going to fall apart or you're going to have to lay down some tough love. Yeah. One or two, probably going to lay down some tough love if that's not responded to. Probably eventually going to cut ties. What about your kid, though? Tough love. Tough love forever. It's just different. And sometimes I think that what you've seen, even in your own life, in the example of the church, especially when people are in those seasons of struggle, it, and, and you know, it can happen to anybody. I've seen many times, I, I, I'm not that old, 
yet, even though I'm getting white in the beard. I don't have a tremendous amount of experience. Some of you have more experience as an adult than I've even lived yet. But I have seen good, faithful, strong Christian men and women go through a season of suffering or a season of trial, sometimes not brought amongst themselves, sometimes brought to them. They brought it to themselves. And I've seen church treat people like members instead of family. And some of the most powerful people I know, people that changed my life, People that made me who I am when I was young started me on that track. Some of them have fallen away because in their time of struggle, in their time of need where they needed to be surrounded, they got withdrawn from. You would never do that to your family. That's not what you would do. Now, I will say, if I've got somebody who's struggling and it's starting to bleed into my family, well, maybe then I got to think about how how I need to handle that. But if it's not, and we're treating each other like family, we're going to carry each other. Like Galatians says, we're going to carry each other's burdens. We're going to help see each other through the tough times in life. We're going to get each other back on track, just like you would someone who is struggling in your family. And you, we become that body. God is going to bless this church, this part of the church. He's going to. Yeah. That's that love that I was talking about. Yeah. It talks about, like Mike was saying, that you know certain churches, you know, say you're living wrong, you're doing this wrong, and call you out. Jesus never threw the first stone, and he he would not. So if you're in a church that they're calling you out all the time, you may be at the wrong place. Because we try to slowly um, show you the way and let you, you know, do your path, you know? Yeah. And uh, like a family member, you're not just going to cut ties, right? You're, gonna, you're still going to care for them at the, at the last statement when, when you say you're not healthy for my family anymore. But here's 1-800-GET-HELP. Right? Yeah. And, and, you know, hopefully that works out for you. You're not just going to throw them out on the street. Right. And the reality is, is, again, it can happen to anybody. Everybody in their own right has had struggles in their life. And everybody probably has been picked up by another brother or sister in that time. Who showed them real love. It's not just talking about it. It's being about it. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ... You have a relationship with your brothers and sisters. Absolutely. You're bounded together in love. You're part of each other. Yeah. You know, the, I think sometimes when we read the parable of the prodigal son, we see people before conversion. But I want you to remember that that son came out of the house of the father. And he went and he struggled And he came to that realization on his own. And when he came back, he expected to be a slave, but was greeted again and was celebrated because of his return and restored back to his sonship. So, and I I don't know how you feel, but I feel like it's just so important to say that, you know, we all, I keep bringing up this idea of seasons. And I think it's really important because because we all have those times where we are struggling. And it can be, again, it can be brought about by a million different things. I know one of the biggest struggles I ever had in my life with God, I wrestled and I wrestled and I went through terrible depression and, and it was just hard. And it was actually at a place where everything was getting ready to take off. My ministry was just starting. Everything that I had worked for since I was really baptized was just getting to a place where I could really use it. And it was here. And there was even times, and I've said this before, but there's even times where I thought about, maybe I'm just, maybe I just, I don't don't have it enough to do ministry anymore.
And I'm going to tell you the way, I, I don't know if I've ever said this this way before, so I'm going to say it because it means a lot to me. Y'all didn't even know me very well yet. And we got the worst news we could ever get on a Sunday morning on the way to church. And the youth minister didn't show up for church. And the way that y'all surrounded us, carried us through one of our toughest times. And it was real. And we couldn't deny it. And in our weak moments, people just did the right things at the right time to just keep reassuring us. So don't forget, too, that God, he uses this family system to not just encourage us, but to show himself to us through each other. You know, I watched my other family members who were not in church, who were part of that, that whole scenario of Amy's um, sister dying, right? I, I watched, they didn't get the same surrounding we got. Some of them still struggle in ways we don't struggle anymore. We've been healed from the process, if you will. Not maybe totally, but a lot. So I just really want to... I, I had trouble getting up and coming here. And it could have easily been used against me. But you carried me. So I really want to, um, granted that wasn't my sin that brought me to that place, but we need to be like that with each other even in our times of struggle from sin. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually didn't plan on that part, but we'll go there. Um, what about strangers and aliens, though, before we move on? He says you're no longer strangers or aliens. What about them? He was talking about Gentiles. He was. As a specific word, he could generalize. It could be anybody, right? Yeah. And they're strangers and aliens. Not because they're inherently strangers and aliens. It's the way we treat them. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again... It's interesting because I think, I just think it's the way of the world, right? God's people, even when we're trying our best to do the will of God, there's going to be places where we collectively fall short. It's what we saw through the story of God's people in the Old Testament. I think it's still what you see if you get to know people really well and you have good relationships with them. You're going to find out that even the people you think have it all together, they don't have it all together. There's still something they're struggling with. There's still something they're trying to work through. There's still something they're trying to grow in. And, but the, the Jews and Jesus, really, he, he called them out pretty hard on this. You know, they, they kept God's word for themselves. They weren't sharing it the way they were supposed to. They, they treated other people, other races, other cultures as if they were supposed to be strangers and aliens. And I think that's why Paul says you no longer are. You're no longer going to be treated like this. And it really doesn't matter. Think about this. It really doesn't matter what you were doing before that moment when you decide to follow Jesus. See, this is where the reality comes together. This is where the, 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 the past, if you will, and the present, they, they, they butt heads. Because some of these people that are being converted in the New Testament were just doing pagan festivals and religious activities before they came to that moment with Jesus Christ, before they were cut to the heart and they were baptized and they were changed. Think about some of the things they were, well, don't, maybe not, but you know what they're doing. But this is what the church is. See, the beauty is we're all imperfect. We've all made mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes again in the future. And we're all going to be here to help each other pick each other up. Go ahead, Paul. This may seem a little off the subject, but it's really right on target. Okay. 
I thought I'd better say that. <laughs> <laughs> you do catch me every now and then. Like, oh. Jesus tried to, Jesus painted a picture for the Sadducees that said, what you can expect in heaven is to be all joined together as one. Mm -hmm. And he said it this way. Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in this age to come and in the resurrection of the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage and they can no longer die for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. Even in heaven, you've got this joining together that doesn't say, okay, you're male, you're female, you're this, you're that. No, it's a oneness. Yes. Just, just exactly what they're talking about there. Absolutely. All right. I want to show you these two real quick as well. Uh, Matthew 12 says, While he was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. If you're wondering why the ESV doesn't have verse 47, I'll let you know real quick. Verse 47 just says, basically, the guy outside comes in and tells Jesus, Hey, your, your family's waiting out there to talk to you. And then verse 48 says, But he replied to the man that just came in and said, Hey, your family's out there wanting to talk to you. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. This is what I'm saying about we are literally in God's family. We are on similar terms. I'm not, obviously Jesus is the head. I'm not trying to speak anything crazy. We are in the family of God. And when we do God's will, he looks at us like a brother or a sister. It's, it's, it's really a, it's an amazing thing. And then, so bringing that into application today. 1 Timothy 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would your father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And then it says, honor widows who are truly Widows, what do you think when you, when you read that? Go ahead, Chad. Seems like a perfect world. It would be, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. It really would be. Seeds, the honor thy mother and thy father scripture, because he is like to throw it to you. are not my mother. You're not my father. I don't have to be respectful or honor you. But that just cut everything out and it's more specific. Yeah, I mean, Jesus himself said that he would be a cause for division amongst families. You remember that? Came to bring a sword. Right? Again, it is not saying oh, well, you don't have to treat your mother or your father with respect. In fact, it's saying not just your mother and your father, but every person that's older than you. If, even when you want to rebuke them, you should treat them like when you got to talk to your father and have a tough talk with them. When you got to talk to your mom and have a tough talk with them. And that love and that care, not out of anger or wrath or, or, or wanting to get some vengeance, right? It's, it, it's, a, it's a whole compassion element that's involved there that's separate from the way we treat our family and the way we treat even our friends. Go ahead, William. We all need Jesus. Yeah. He changed how we look at, at God and how we look towards one another. Uh, I remember last week uh, a storm went through Mississippi and uh, I, I was kind of concerned. I wanted to make sure that my family was all right. So I called Doug Hunter and I says, I feel and uneasy that I want you to give me peace. Is my family all right? Is everybody safe? And he assured me, he said, well, they beat the storm when they went to pick up the, the young people and he said they are all right. And uh, then I was able to rest, but 
we have a, a different outlook. We care about people that physically we don't know, but spiritually we're a part of. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. That's, that's getting closer to what God wants us to be. And, and that's why we need to, uh, we need to make sure we're growing. And let me add this. I started this many, many years ago. When we prayed as a family for certain things, my wife could attest to that, we write it down. And when God answers our prayer, we write that down and we date it and say, you know what? We know this is God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's how a church grow because it began to depend more and more on God. People could see through, through uh, uh, hypocrites. Yeah. They could see through pretenders. But, and also they can see when you truly are a believer and follow of God. Oh yeah, it's contagious. It, it, people want it really bad, it, it really is. Go ahead, Sam. hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um, if uh, you, know, you look at this and, and you go back to when I was growing up um, and you were at somebody's house, mm-hmm. that the man of that house would treat you as his own kid. You would actually, he wouldn't call your parents to discipline you. You would be disciplined on the spot. And you got disciplined out of love, you know, because he cared for you back then. Now, if you tried that, it wouldn't be good. So I'm just, I'm just bringing the light that we are losing. We're, we're almost to the point where we're scared to treat each other this, this way because society has pushed us so far um, away from treating each other this way. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not saying that everybody back then did the right thing, but there was more people that cared about you than that didn't care about you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the community was more of a family-based system in general. And I think part of what you're seeing in our culture right now is an attack on family. I've, I've said that before. Um, and as long as we're attacking and acting like the family isn't as important as Scripture clearly makes it. Not just your, you know, your immediate family, but even the way we treat each other like family. Um, I think the worst, the worst it's going to get. The worst it's going to get. The, the, the worst things we're going to see out of our children. The, I mean, it, it, the sky's the limit. Um, yeah, I was wondering, when you, when you read this scripture as well, is this how you envision yourself treating everybody that comes here? When you see someone who's older than you, maybe around your mom's age, do you look at them like another mother or a father? Do you, do you look at um, people that are your age and, or, or around your age, do you look at them as brothers and, and sisters or nieces and nephews or go down the list? The, the, the ones who are old enough to be your grandparents, some of you are the grandparents, but it's okay. Do you look at them with that same type of love? And, I, and because I'm, if we really can accomplish this, which I know we can, Christ told us to do it. The apostles told us to do it. I know we can. It's just really hard to find, even in church, I think, the way it really should be. And we say, you know, we make, I don't want to say excuses, because there is a reality. I've, I've, said, I've said it from the uh, pulpit before, be cool if I could just heal people or whatever, man, the, the church be easier to get people here, right? And we say that like we're at this detriment, but I, I really think the power, the real power behind the body of Christ is the love that is shared. And that's never going anywhere. Remember? Faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is. It's not going anywhere. So, all right. We gotta go through these quick, sorry. I preached way longer than I was supposed to. It's not typical. Uh, not typical. <laughs> um, how can we become, and not, and not members of God's household. Not members of God's household. 
how can we become more like family and less like members? Because you can be members at a lot of different things. Right? I'm a member of the Titusville Soccer Club. But I'm, a, I'm in the family of God. So how do we get to a place where we can become more like family and less like members? I got no scriptures. I want to hear from you. What do you think? Shad. Spend more good times together. Ah. More, uh, more dinners, simple dinners, even like we did the potato thing. Yeah. Man, that was awesome. What better meal do you have than a potato with a bunch of people you love? Yeah. That's a feast. It doesn't take, it doesn't take much, does it? It really doesn't take much. The bacon. It help. The bacon always helps. Bacon on everything for me, please. Yeah. People were all together. They were. The believers were together. They were. Spent time together. That's right. They were even eating in each other's houses. That's the thing I see in our ladies' Bible class. I think our ladies are very close to each other, but it's because they spend time together talking about spiritual things and and talking about lots of other things, but it, it takes time to build a family relationship. That's right. I agree 100%. In fact, I said that at lunch today that what you guys have is special and it has been for a long time. You know, and, it, and I think also we find that, I think you will find that if you spend time with the kids in the youth group that it's a very similar dynamic because they have all this other stuff that we're doing with them that's outside the building, if you will, that's not always a, a Devo or a, a Bible lesson and it gives them opportunity to share with each other what's really going on in their lives. And I think this is one of the things uh, you brought up, Shad, but it was definitely one of the things on my heart as well. You know, one of the things I think we got to do, we got to do better is we have to create more opportunities to fellowship and grow relationships with each other, deep relationships, real relationships. And sometimes, sometimes that includes a lesson. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes that includes a good time. And as I can speak for me and Doug's relationship personally, sometimes that includes things you never thought you were going to even have to go through. They can still make you closer and, and, and develop deep relationships. But we have to create these opportunities. So from a leadership side, I think that's partly our responsibility. And, and then also, but I think individually, we've got to be motivated to do this ourselves. It can't just be that the only time you eat a meal with somebody in your family is at a um, fellowship meal or a program, if you will. Go ahead, Susan. So having been an old timer with with this congregation, (laughs) Sandy, um, a big change in this congregation is we used to do a lot of things in each other's homes. Mm. And I find that uh, the baby showers were in people's homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Small groups were in people's homes. We did that many years ago. And you get to know a person on a different level, a different comfort. If they need something, you don't hesitate to go there if you know where they live. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something that our society doesn't do with the convenience of coming here. Everybody knows it, and I realize that. But you don't know a person the same way as in their home environment. It just is more comfortable anyway. It starts to naturally break some barriers down. I agree with you on that. Sometimes having a central place isn't always a benefit. Sometimes not. Oh. I went to a church like that. Yeah. You're singing happy birthday. Fun stuff that you remember forever, right? When people would, before certain people passed on in our congregation, sure. people would come up and they say, why is that person blah, blah, blah? And I say, oh, you don't know what that person has been through. Right. You know, I, uh, these people in this congregation, a lot of them have been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes a big difference when you say, you know, let me tell you something. And then their whole attitude towards that person it changes. Yeah, it changes. You do that because you, you would do that in your family. When you, that's right. And when you know where somebody's coming from, 
It, every, when you know somebody's story, it makes you treat them different. It, it definitely does. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I guess I'm going to blow through this real quick. I, this was really what I was trying to get to all night. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but I also think not just creating these opportunities, but it takes a commitment out of all of us. It takes a commitment out of all of us, a commitment to God, a commitment to his family, which ultimately becomes our family. It's not just God's family. We are part of that. So it's our family. And I think that's comes with maturity, but I also think it comes with commitment. You have to commit yourself to be part of it and everything will start to change. I can remember when I was young, you, just being involved with my youth group more and more and more changed all of my relationships with everybody that was involved with the youth program at Rockledge Church of Christ. It changed everything. Just being committed there, being there. Um, <clears throat> but commitment's also more than just attendance. And then third, it's in the way we treat each other. Not just when we're here. When we're out in the community. And I have to tell you, some of you drive by me and I honk and I wave and I'm like, hey, see me, see me. Some of y'all are like, that's okay, I forgive you for that. <laughs> Could just be a random person acting crazy trying to say something different to you. I don't, I don't mind you not looking at me. But, you know, when we see each other, we should be excited to see each other because it's our family. It, it would be like running into your mom at the store. You wouldn't just walk by her and hope she didn't see you. Okay, I heard that. Turn the mics off. It's getting wild in here. Uh, <laughs> might be some truth to that. Might be some truth to that. So, again, this was what the, the scripture was really all about tonight. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people, not just people in the church, not just a certain type of people, all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So last question, we've got three minutes to answer it. And that's only because we started late. How do we, be, <laughs> how do we become a church that has favor with all people? Even if they haven't come for Christ, there's still people Christ died for. That's absolutely. Go ahead, Jen. Never change our views on Christ. Yeah. I, I don't think. Go ahead. I don't think people find true love in wishy-washy religions. They they find a niche or a fitting, but I don't think they find that true love at a at a wishy-washy. Well, I'll tell you this. You can't fully understand God's love until you've been loved by somebody who fully is in love with God. You can't. And it's just not something you see in the world. It's only something you see with somebody who really loves God. Go ahead, Susan. I think that's a hard question because a lot of churches do the same things we do. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of food giveaways in town. There's a lot of youth group activities in town. So somehow something we do has to stand out from that. Yeah. So this is why I said this exactly this way. It's generosity. To me, it's, it's not just generosity. You can't just label it, be generous. All right? It's generosity out of our collective abundance. That doesn't just mean out of our money. You know, one of the things, I, like I said, I am a member of Titusville Soccer Club. Doug's been a member for a while, even when he tried to get away, they roped him back in, right? Titusville Soccer Club. But it's more than just playing soccer there for me. It's, I'm investing time to create relationships to hopefully bring people the good news. I don't, I don't hide the fact that I'm a minister. In fact, I let people know. I wear a Christian shirt almost every single time I coach. Usually something from one of our youth program things we did, but I do, and I do it on purpose because one day people are gonna ask me. In fact, they already have. And one day, some of those people are finally going to come and check us out. And hopefully, we'll be ready, this family of God that we're called to be, that we will surround them in a way that they, they can't even understand why it took them so long to get here. 
And I'm telling you this too. There isn't a single church out there that's perfect, but love. Just like love covers a multitude of sins, the things that we're not great at, love can overcome those things. It can. So it's, it's not just with your money, but it's also with your time, with your effort, what God has gifted you, given you talents in. You know, so to, the fruit that we're all bearing through the Holy Spirit, you put all that together and you start using that, you will affect your community. And to me, the program isn't what's going to save people. It's the individual relationships. That's what's going to save people. Doesn't mean the program can't encourage it. But it's those individual relationships that are going to... Okay, so, I don't know if you've noticed, but my last two points are the same as the ones before. They're the same. Create opportunities to grow relationships with people and groups within the community. Whatever that means. Whatever our talents are. Whatever our interests are. Whatever, whatever we are into, provide opportunities to meet other members of the community that are into those things as well. Again, it's not going to generate every time we do something, somebody's going to come from the community and place membership here at North Brevard. But it's going to create inroads to the community and create opportunities for us that we didn't have before. Every time. And again, you can be the greatest Christian in the world, but if you treat everybody when you're not here like the rest of the world, you're hiding your light. Because the one thing they should know is we are Christians by our love. They got to know it. Okay? Okay. I'm super late, so I love you all and thank you for bearing with me.